With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy, uh, I don't know, what we got this week? <laughs> happy, uh, happy, happy almost Thanksgiving week, I guess. Sure. Happy. It just seems like there's not much uh, great news. And it's, also, NBA, it's NBA draft week. Happy NBA draft week. Elijah Hughes. Hopefully you uh, have a team soon. Yeah, I guess I, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll talk about something you and I only like to talk about. But while staying on topic with Syracuse stuff, Dan, where do you think um, Elijah Hughes gets picked? Oh, um, I'm pretty confident. I'm going to say like, like the top third of the second round. Um, I'm not sure what team because it's such a crapshoot there. But I think he's going to be an early second round pick. Um, I think he's he's just done. I mean, it just seems like he's helped himself a lot, like last season and like in the the months after. He's also been very out there. Like he's he. I don't know if he's like actively lobbying for himself, but it just seems like he's been more involved in like the the general draft discussions more than like anyone we've had in a while here since probably like I'd say almost like since Dion. Even though Dion was more of like an active like lock to be picked since he went so high. Um, but it just seems like he's just like, you know, he's appearing on stuff. He's he's really like marketing himself, whether or not that's like his active goal and what he's been doing. So um, I, th- I feel pretty good about him getting picked. And yeah, I'll, I'll go like probably in the 30 to 40 range. Yeah, I think he's done a great job there of like without too many in-person workouts or much exposure to scouts in person. I think he's done a great job of just presenting his body of work. And, and realistically, like he, he had an incres- incredibly impressive um, you know, redshirt junior campaign last year. I think he showed off a lot of things on both offensive and defensive ends of the floor. Um, obviously, like there's some tweaks that need to be made. Otherwise, he would be a lottery pick. But realistically, like I've seen projections as, as high as 24th um, to the Bucks, um, And then a lot of the other picks have him somewhere in that like 35 to 40 range. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit previously. Like I would love to see him um, play in Charlotte. Uh, I feel like that's a great spot that like is looking to amass shooters and 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 just interesting wing players and, and a team that's willing to invest in some youth and let those guys develop um, at the NBA level. I, I think that you know the Sacramento Kings seem like on paper would be a good organization, but also are like just a terrifying organization from a career development standpoint. And obviously, SU players have not worked out there um, in previous years. You know, I, I think somewhere like. Maybe even like, like I don't think a positional fit necessarily, but like the Washington Wizards are another one. Um, I wouldn't, I might want to see him in like a 76ers type situation because I do feel like while he wouldn't get a chance right away, I think he'd be better situated to bring his career along. Um, but, you know, I mean, you and I talked about this pretty much every year for the last like seven years, um, just how much fit. Um, it, it is so crucial. So to me, that's why I think like Charlotte is the clearest um, team that he should want to end up on and SU fans should want to see him on. Um, but there are other opportunities and the, that does seem like the best one to me though. Uh, yeah. We've talked a lot about like with these recent guys, it's like, it's such a, 
an important thing to land with the right team. Um, and it becomes kind of a tough thing, especially when you're talking about a team like Charlotte, where like there's a really tough balance between like individual um, opportunity, which a team like that might may present. I mean, no, there's like there's rumors about Russell Westbrook going there and stuff that, which wouldn't really change too much, I don't think, for for Hughes. Um, but there's like a, a tough balance between like you want to go to a good a good franchise that's good at development um, that like brings guys along and, and helps them launch their careers. But also a lot of those teams end up being good and it's harder to break in. If you're like a, a guy like Hughes, who's probably going to be like a late first, early second rounder. So you don't want to get stuck in like a Tyler Lydon situation with the nuggets where like he got drafted at a position where they already like were loaded with talent, um, even though they are a really good franchise. So, um, and then bad franchises, we, we see Barry, like get players that buried with them for other reasons completely because the teams are not competent. So it's like a really, it's a really tough uh thing to like try to figure out i will say charlotte we've had like some good success stories with uh with guys who weren't super highly uh regarded and highly drafted end up being pretty good there so you know hopefully that's a, a place he could land and could fit in and like they've been a playoff team in recent years like they're not they're not like the dreads of the nba they're just like they just struggle to amass talent so um yeah that would be a decent spot um i think there are there you know any number of teams where he'd fit in well he's you know the three and d is still uh, kind of the king in terms of uh, of like role players in the NBA, and and he projects to be one of those. So hopefully, hopefully he finds it. Yeah, I think there's so many teams. I mean, I, I know a lot of NBA draft podcast articles have talked about it that like the there's so many teams that really need, especially in the back half of the first round, need a three and D wing, need someone who can do a lot of the things that Elijah Hughes does. Like no Elijah doesn't like he's not overly like he's he's athletic enough. He's like long enough. I don't think he, he necessarily like pops off the page in either of those uh, regards. One thing that he does do very well um, that I think could potentially come up in a lot of the you know tape that scouts are looking at is uh, is just his ability to block uh, shots. I mean, you look at how many times he was able to do that. I think he did at least twice against Baylor um, in that NCAA tournament game. He was one of our better um, you know probably wings in terms of blocking shots in a while. Um, at SU. So I'm interested to see how that translates to the NBA game. I, I think in general, you know, Charlotte's a good one. I think it could be a little, uh, I think it could get thrown sideways if for some reason you see um, like Russ come and then they might emphasize a veteran presence. Maybe they try to move Nick Batum. Maybe they try to do some other things like then I think that youth movement maybe gets scuttled, but looking at other teams out there, I know one projection had the Pelicans. That's another interesting one. Uh, I think they're still at a point where, like, especially if they move uh, a guy like, you know, Holiday, they could be looking to just surround, um, you know, Zion Williamson with, with with shooters, guys who can space the floor, um, play some defense and help make up for maybe some inefficiencies on his end. Like, teams like that sound interesting, and they're also, like, right in the range um, pick-wise uh, of where he wants to be. But – Ultimately, like fit does a lot. Like O'Shea Brissett was in a great team building situation in Toronto, but I'd argue that for the time being, like his path to playing time, um, you know, isn't really there. You see, then there's another situation like a, a Jeremy Grant. Uh, when he first came out, he ends up on the Sixers. He's on a complete like process rebuild team, um, puts up okay numbers um, in that situation and then ends up becoming miles and miles better. And it's hard to attribute whether or not his those early minutes helped or those early minutes might have hurt his development. But in any case, just because he got that exposure early doesn't necessarily mean that he was like well set up for success either. 
Yeah, yeah, I think Jeremy's uh not now an interesting one. I know there have been there have been some rumors with him in the Suns, right? Now that especially now that Chris Paul's there. Yeah, so I did see uh I forgot who mentioned it, um, that it seems that if they time the Chris Paul trade right, they could be able to have it so that they sign Grant and as a free agent, and then um because the salaries match up well enough, they'd then they'd be able to uh, bring in Chris Paul as an over the cap um, trade versus the other way around where they wouldn't be able to add Grant um, to their roster if Paul's salary was already on there. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I'm really fascinated to see what he does. I think that would be like a really great fit, especially with Paul there. Um, I also like, I am also a little stared away by like them just kind of collapsing after like what was really a good couple of weeks, but probably shouldn't like totally uh overshadow like years and years of being really really bad um but like obviously chris paul brings like a really steadying presence and i also think like if you're a guy like jeremy grant playing with a point guard like that would probably be like one of the things you're really looking for um i just feel like like in the fast break that's like a super ideal uh connection plus like having booker as a trailer but i think he'll do he'll do well wherever he goes he's he's like such an established player now um especially after that really impressive playoff run that, um, you know, he's going to be in the NBA for a long time, which is nice. Nice to have. Oh, him absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think Grant would be in, in, in very interesting fit, like you said, in Phoenix, um, like if you have Aiton already as a big, so now, uh, you know, assuming Aiton can progress a little bit more, um, you end up with a much better, um, you know, interior defender that then, Grant doesn't necessarily need to do as much on the interior that frees him up to maybe switch a little bit. They can even use him maybe as a small ball five, if they want to run out, you know, Paul Booker um, and some of the, some of the other wings they have on that team. I think that they're, you know, Cam Johnson's another really, you know, quality player there um, who can shoot on the outside. They've created this situation where I don't like, I don't agree that they're a top five team in the West as some have uh, intimated, but I mean, if they had Grant, they're they're definitely knocking on that door. Yeah. Um, oh wow. Uh, we have breaking news <laughs> in the NBA front from Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, after turning down an extension offer to become the first fifty million uh, year player in the league his- in league history, James Harden's message to Houston is clear: get me to Brooklyn. <laughs> win, win you, I guess. Although, at the I, same I, time. maybe. <laughs> I don't really know. I think that there's there's pluses and minuses there, and we won't go too far down this road because this has nothing to do with Syracuse. But I think it's interesting. I think it could be interesting, but it also could be a complete disaster um, yep. to have to have Kyrie, KD, and and Harden on the same team because you have potentially three mercurial players, but also three very very ball dominant players as well. Um, and I think the defense is there, but the offense is just. All three of those guys need too many touches. Somebody has to be the Chris Bosch slash Kevin Love in this situation, and it's probably Kyrie. And I don't necessarily think that's going to settle well um, with him. Yeah, it's um, and not to not to belabor this because it's you know no one cares about the Nets, but um, I think it's one of those deals where if it can happen and you don't have to give away, I mean, like reasonably, you're not to give away a lot just to get him because of the salaries. Um, if you can do it without like it being too ridiculous. I think you kind of have to do it just because of how good he is. Um, it does not make a lot of sense in terms of like play style or chemistry, unless you can convince one of the two guards to play off the ball, um, which historically is not really the case for either of them. Um, I would almost, 
it, like I would kind of love it if if like they were like, okay, well we're trading Kyrie for him because <laughs> I think like I mean I think he's a better player than Kyrie. I think he's less of a headache than Kyrie. Um, at least like in terms of like you know Harden isn't really a problem for teams. He's like you might not like how he plays, but he doesn't really like cause issues. Um, and he and Katie get along. I do think Katie would be annoyed because he went there to join Tyree specifically. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that, like you said, could be like, they could become the best team in the league. And it's like, you know, we, we look back on it in a couple of months and we're like, how did we ever think this was not going to work? It's ridiculous. Or it could be like just a hot mess, uh, or both. So, um, we'll see, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, this is basically a worse, if it happens, it's basically a worse version of like, the 2011-12 OKC teams where you have you have Harden who takes the Russell role but like a, as a better shooter KD is as an older potentially injury hobbled KD in that situation and then Kyrie has to take on a Harden role that I don't necessarily think he's there for plus then you also have to think about you know do they just take out the entire roster uh to get a guy like Harden and that becomes the bigger issue um, is that like those OKC teams are very deep uh, with young talent. Brooklyn has assets, but does Brooklyn have enough like beyond those three once you factor in what's going to take to make this trade happen? Yeah. I mean, they kind of have to trade Levert because like Levert right. presents a similar issue to Harden anyway, where because he's very ball dominant. He's at his best when he has the ball in his hands, which is already an issue with Katie and Tyree. Um, so like giving him up, it like, he's a good player, uh, but you probably have to do it no matter what. But then if you, if you deal like Allen, who's like a really, really talented young center, and then you deal Dinwiddie, who's probably one of the best sits men in the league, then you're starting to end like a case where like, okay, well, this bench is getting really eroded. Um, but again, like we just saw the Lakers win with like a bench that like wasn't very good for most of the year. So, um, yeah, it'll be fascinating and uh, we'll have, well, probably not that much time to talk to talk about it down the road because we'll have basketball. Hopefully there's a scenario in which we have a lot of time to talk about it because of college basketball, but that's a, uh, that's a whole nother deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, personally, we'll get in, we'll kind of use this as segue into actual Syracuse basketball. Um, I think that, and I mentioned this on Twitter, like seeing them like shove like four games in 13 days or five games in 15 days. And the schedule shows me they learned nothing from football. Um, I think SU might be the only team in the ACC that's played every game as scheduled <laughs> so far um, going into this coming week, uh, which is alarming. I think you're seeing, you know, teams really drop games with increasing frequency. I mean, the Big Ten and, and, uh, and Pac-12 haven't really been able to, to get full schedules on, on, on the calendar every weekend because by the time they got back on the field, things were kind of too far gone. I, I think realistically, like, Basketball would be much better served in a bubble environment. Maybe it's a regional bubble. Maybe it's a rotating bubble, whatever it is. Like it does seem it, it, I mean, you and I talked about this weeks ago. It's, I mean, maybe months ago at this point, it seemed like basketball was ahead of the game, understood that they had months and months to figure this out and, and was ready to implement whatever they needed to do to make the season happen. And then we hear um, as the schedules come out that, Nope, everyone's just going to do exactly what they were going to do anyway. Um, and so every, yeah. Like everybody's just, so desperate to get the TV money and the NCAA tournament money that they don't realize they're also willing to, they're actively jeopardizing both health and wellness of players and staffers um, and families, but also, um, you know, just jeopardizing the NCAA tournament by not having enough teams with enough games, um, you know, on, on the schedule. I mean, the, the NCAA announced today that they're going to try to do the tournament all in Indianapolis and the surrounding like schools in Indiana. Like that sounds interesting enough, but realistically, like, I think that's not going to work the second you 
have like students back in any of those campuses. It's just it's maddening. It's maddening because obviously college basketball was like the first the first uh, league to like lose the end of its season last year. Obviously, the NBA shut down and the team back. Um, but they had like the so the difference between college basketball and football. College football really really isn't governed by the NCAA at all. Um, they're like they're around, but they don't really have much to do with the the day to day operations on of it, especially for D one. Um, so college football moving forward, like they were kind of hands off on it. And that's just how the, the sports run, um, with college basketball, like they're very much hands on, they run the tournament. The D one tournament is what makes the NCAA, like, I think the, the vast majority of its money for the year. So they have a very invested interest in having college basketball go off without a hitch or like as much with as without as much of a hitch as you can have. Um, and they spent like months, like talking a really big game about how they were like, really figuring it out. We're going to have it set for, for the fall or for whenever college basketball comes back. And they were, you know, discussing all these scenarios. And then we come down to it and all they really announced is like, okay, November 25th start date. And then nothing else really materialized. Like they didn't have these set of uh, tournaments that was being discussed, like the pod, the pod preseason tournaments that were going to like be able to go off as like a, a start to the season where you'd be able to get all these teams together and, and test it and like make sure everyone was good. Um, they just delayed like, the season a month basically and then nothing else really happened they still don't even have a plan for the ncaa tournament now they're saying they're gonna put it all in one location at, in indianapolis which makes a lot of sense why are we announcing this a week before the season starts like this it's it's so ncaa and i even bought into it for a second i'm like i know the NCAA's bad at a lot of stuff but they're good about it uh, they're good at organizing NCAA tournaments a great event like they should i i actually had faith when dan david would come out like once a month and be like oh we're we got it under control we have all these we're working on it, so you know it's gonna be perfect um, and to have them just basically not announce any real significant scheduling uh, operations at all, except for we've delayed it a month, is just so ridiculous and so patently NCAA. And it's why everyone just thinks this organization is a joke. It's about when you had when you were, had your season when you had your tournament canceled, like you obviously know how severe this is, and it just seems like they bet on it not being that bad at the end of the year, which is just like a horrendous thing. Like that's that's something you hope for, but you don't plan on it because everyone said it was going to get bad uh, in the winter. And guess what? Like, look around, it's getting bad. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just like maddening that the NCAA flubbed this as bad as they seem to have. Um, I hope we have a season, but like, you know, Jim Behan just came, just, just that diagnosed with COVID, which is obviously really concerning for all of us. He's older. Obviously he's in pretty good shape. He does his yoga every day and everything, but like he's a cancer survivor. Um, and like everyone else in America, he has like pre-existing conditions because that's something that we all have. And, and it, you know, obviously is a national talking point. So it's like, it's just like really concerning that we, we went through a, a whole, almost a full year and the NCAA really just didn't do anything, uh, when it said repeatedly it was. Um, so now we're just going to try to like have a season happen and like, College football is, is messy enough because you have the large teams. College basketball doesn't have has some advantages over that, but the smaller teams. But you also are trying to play these games like a, almost a normal schedule. If you're looking at the ACC schedule, like a couple days off between, maybe a week between here it's and really there. It's really worse. It's honestly it's, they, it's worse I mean, in that regard. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, like, like you said, they actively just decided to try to fit more games into less time. Like they're going to end up with, they're probably going to end up maybe three games short of the usual like schedule amount for some teams. And... I'm just really confused what the point of this was because, like you said, they basically just shaved a couple of weeks off the schedule and said, "Nope, we're just going to shove more, shove the same amount of games into less time." They basically and- did the Big Ten football and the Pac-12 football. Like, I appreciated the Big Ten and the Pac-12 football leagues. Like, 
I got why they delayed things when they did. And like, if we're being honest with ourselves, we probably shouldn't be playing college ball at all. But you know, moving forward, if you were gonna if you were gonna play, you should have given yourself more time. Like they shot themselves in the foot um, because they were being cautious. But then now, like the Pac-12, like made a big thing about getting its rapid testing, but they still are having botch tests and they're still having these big outbreaks. So like the advantages of being able to test is you're supposed to be able to prevent these outbreaks and it's not happening. Um, and now you're just trying to shove these schedules in, these seasons in, in like two months without any buys. So it ends up being worse. We're like the SEC has had outbreaks and it's not to really give them any credit. They're doing it. I mean, it's, we all know why all these games are happening. Um, it's just the bottom line, but at least, at least like cynically, the SEC is like, all right, well, we're just going to make this happen. So we're going to build in three or four extra weeks so we can have these games. Um, so I'm not sure which is better. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like uh, this, the it's uh, pragmatic and cynicism versus or pragmatism and cynicism versus like some caution, but also ineptitude. It's just a really incredible combo on both sides. Uh, and the NCAA is definitely in the big 10 category of like, well, we're going to try to make it happen, but we're going to give ourselves uh, fewer like ways to, to uh, circumvent things and, and move things around. Um, like really the, like the idea that should have worked was, and I, this had not floated like a, a decent amount was to like, have weekends where like there'd be hosted pods and you'd have like round robin type deals. So like you're having a bunch of games in one area where everyone is just isolated and then you just have like a week off or two weeks off and then you do it again. So you're playing like in one location, almost like an NCAA tournament type um, type like regional situation where you're playing each team there. But at least then you could like keep everyone in one hotel or something kind of like the TBT did. And then just like refresh every couple of weeks. And then it would have been like a television event at least. I know that would have like recalled some planning on the NCAA's part. I feel like they could have pulled it off had they uh, decided to do something over seven months. But that, that was too much for them, I guess. Yeah. I mean, just uh, as we've kind of harped on at this point, super disappointing. And uh, I'm hoping that, that things work out. But more importantly, I'm hoping that everyone stays healthy um, throughout this. Uh, you did mention that Bayheim had a positive diagnosis uh, or a positive test. Uh, he says that right now, uh, you know, symptoms are mild. He's all right, hoping that that stays the case um, for for his sake, most importantly. Um, Dan, do you think based on that and given how close the season is to starting, do you feel like the season's actually going to start on time uh, with the scheduled Bryant game for the uh, 27th? Uh, man, I don't know. Like, I guess conceivably they could play it without Bayheim. Um, and I, there's one more person on the on the, the team I don't know if we were have been told that was a player or not. It seemed to be indicated that it was, but I know it's just a member of the program. Yeah. Um, so I, they haven't said who it is. Um, but I mean, I guess like conceivably we could play that game without him. Um, if we're like really desperate to get that game in, uh, but it's cutting it really close based on like the, the 10 or 14, 14 day timeframe. I think we're working on a 10 day timeframe in the ACC. Well, and um, also like the right now activities are, suspended for the team too so it's not yeah. as if and it's not as if we've known for months that we're playing bryant like we've known for like a week or two that we're playing bryant yeah, it's, i mean we have enough time between like i know there's a binghamton game that's and a rider game that are like tentatively scheduled but we don't have dates for them yet um i imagine bryant's schedule isn't that like locked in set in stone <laughs> so like i don't know why we couldn't push it back to like the first week in december and let bayheim like clear it get totally cleared and let whomever else get totally cleared get this team some practice time um so yeah i'd bet against it happening on the 27th it just doesn't make any like why 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 force it like that date's not magical we don't need that date like i'm sure we can find a time to play bryant beyond this so i would agree yeah we are uh 
in weird times, I, I really do hope that that everybody stays healthy in the SU side and everywhere else. Um, I well, we're going to talk a lot more basketball next week. Uh, we're doing our season preview episode, um, and and James Zuba will be involved there. Um, our basketball editor, he'll be chatting with us. But um, so if people are looking for that in-depth conversation, that is next week. Um, Dan and I did want to just talk about a little bit about Syracuse basketball this week, um, just as kind of an appetizer to that. But obviously, again, things are up in the air. We have a sort of schedule, um, but things do seem subject to change. But Dan, uh, before we get to halftime, uh, why don't we do a quick ad read here uh, for our friends at Home Field Apparel? Um, a big, big one. A, a, a very big one for, for, for those that are, uh, are interested. Um, so if you're struggling to find a gift that perfectly encapsulates your loved one's pa- passion for whether it's Out of the Orange or Wavy the Wave or any other weird mascot that's around the country, uh, it ends up that Home Field Apparel probably has merchandise for them. Uh, whether you're buying a holiday gift for others or just trying to show off your own style um, while owning your in-laws um, this holiday, uh, Homefield probably, again, has that shirt for you. Um, Homefield, in particular, for Syracuse's purposes, they dug through the archives, created unique, thoughtful designs, printed them on the comfiest hoodies and tees that you will ever own. Uh, Dan and I have both spoken their praises numerous times in the past and, and can confirm they're some of the most comfortable shirts that both of us respectively own. Um, and you can shop this weekend and get 30% off your entire order uh, using code BFNUNES. That's B-F-N-U-N-E-S. Um, at checkout, again, 30% off your entire order. That's a pretty great deal uh, when, you, when you think about just the, the, the savings that imparts on you, uh, the savings that imparts on maybe your loved one. Maybe you're just looking for shirts for yourself and you don't want to buy them for yourself. So you just send people a link and you send people the BFNUNES uh, checkout code as well. Say, here, this is my gift to you. It's a discount. This, is this the strategy you're using with your wife? <laughs> uh, if only. I, uh, I, I already told my wife, Kendra, uh, that, that I promised there will be no more T-shirts in the house for the time being. I have, <laughs> I, I have, I have a setup of, of starter T-shirts that, that there's probably about, I've probably got about 40 sports-related, like, legit like first stringer t-shirts that you could like wear out and around without any like second thought then there's like another group of like 15 shirts mostly like Syracuse shirts they still have from college that are like wins away around the house maybe out for a walk and then there's like a bunch of other shirts realistic and then I've got you know non-sports related shirts brewery shirts uh graphic tees things like that so in reality I probably got about 90 t-shirts some odd like in this house and and she's not going to tolerate another one of them coming in yeah, it's a it's a struggle. I have I need another dresser for my apartment here in New York because I have too many t-shirts. I legitimately cannot fit them all in one. Um, part of that is that as I work for a sports blog, um, I don't need to wear anything but t-shirts ever uh, unless I choose. Um, and I just have a lot. I have a lot of band shirts. I have a lot of sports shirts. I still have a lot of SU shirts. I, I've I've called down some. Like there are some that like are from like my sophomore year that I've I've ditched because there are like big holes in them or whatever. Um, the home field thing isn't helping, uh, because now, <laughs> now we have a 30% off code. And like, if, if you're like me, you ordered way too many Syracuse shirts when we had the 20% off code before. And I was like, you know, I, you know, I'll probably get some t- a Tulane shirt. Finally, I've been talking about a Hawaii. Um, there's definitely some new ones. Like I'll probably get an Alabama shirt just to like, you know, you feel good about yourself. You're, you're, you're a champion wearing an Alabama shirt. Um, even if you don't root for them, I don't really hate Alabama though. Uh, weirdly. Um, and then I'm like, you know, I didn't buy the hoodie the first time around. The hoodie's expensive, <laughs> but 
30% off, much less expensive, 30% less expensive. So, you know, that that's, if you're like me, you probably, you maybe avoided the hoodie the first time and now grand opportunity. Yeah. Or if you saw that Colorado school of mines hoodie or the, the, that the, the burrow on the Colorado, it's so good. Yeah. Bite, biting a stick of dynamite in half or the UC Irvine t-shirt with the anteater. Like all, all, all these shirts are pretty great. So before this ad read gets any longer, um, use BF <laughs> news for 30% off. Uh, you'll hear this read a couple more times. Through Black Friday, I think. I think you have until the 27th is Black Friday, I believe, right? Yeah, so you've got a little bit of time. Uh, but now to the actual halftime show here, Dan. Uh, what have you been drinking? Uh, pretty boring for me this week. I, I just I, Last week, I bought the, the Sequench from Dogfish and the, and the High Lows from Cedar City, and uh, I've just been drinking those. <laughs> so um, nothing new this week. I didn't really get a chance to go out anywhere. Um, kept it kind of uh, kept kind of low here, but uh, I'll definitely be getting some stuff before Thanksgiving. Um, you know, we'll hopefully go get some new stuff this weekend, uh, and then assuming we all get locked down in our houses for a couple more weeks at some point here. Uh, spoiler alert: if you live in another reality, um, I'll probably go uh, stock up on some interesting beers for then, and just like you know, sit on my couch and and uh, in isolation. Nice. Well, not very nice, but <laughs> nice on nice. Yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty shitty, actually. Uh, <laughs> so on my end, uh, I picked up a six-pack of uh, Pizza Ports, today's forecast, uh, West Coast IPA. It's a uh, mosaic forward, uh, so really enjoyable IPA there. Had some more uh, wild little thing, uh, fruited sour from Sierra Nevada. Um, had Oh, and also the, the surprise of the week, um, picked up one of those uh, 12 packs of uh, the Bud Light Christmas Seltzer. <laughs> Let me tell you. Finn, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy your long-standing support of the Bud Light Seltzer uh, uh, of brand. Yeah. yeah, it's it's always, every time I see it on like Instagram or whatever, I'm like, it's just, for some reason, John just has a soft spot for the Bud Light Seltzers for some reason, like of all the seltzers. I mean, there are other seltzers, and I do drink those sometimes. But for some reason, like the Christmas one seemed interesting. My wife was interested in it. I said, you the know flavors what? are out there for sure. Yeah, the flavors like 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 I I I've tried all four, and this isn't going to be an ad read. Um, the peppermint. We're, we're not sponsored yeah, by. No, definitely not sponsored yeah. by Bud Light. Uh, the peppermint's hot garbage. The uh, the 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 ginger snap is mad unless you're like a big ginger fan. Um, however, like the cranberry and apple crisp ones are 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 pretty elite beverages. So the cranberry, I don't know. I'm always up and down on cranberry like booze things. I love cranberry juice. Um, not this crush, like- man. Is it good? And the apple crisp, is it like, is it like cinnamony? Like, is it like, like spiced apple or is it like, it's like, more what, like, what are we talking? The, 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 this is like a real, this basically tastes like uh, Martinelli's. Interesting. Which, yeah, like I was expecting something a little spicier and a little more apple pie. No, it was, it was like Martinelli's. It tasted fantastic. I support that. Um, I actually support, I love, I love cider uh, in general. So um, I, I actually had a lot of what I had more of anything this weekend uh, on Saturday. I watched, I finished book work. And then I watched late night Pac-12 football for like the first time really this year. And I just drank uh, some nice uh, apple cider and rum. And that's, that was my Saturday. So nice. um, I support apple cider uh, as, as a, someone who spent a lot of time upstate. Um, yeah. The, the peppermint is just like, that just tastes, it's, it has to just taste like mouthwash, right? It's it, no, it will. Cause it like, it basically tasted like some like God awful shot. You probably had at a frat party. Uh, you. Like a, like, it's like, it's like a, like a rumple mints. Yeah, it's like a peppermint patty shot. Like it's just, it's like yeah, it just like tastes like garbage. Like even even Kendra was like, yeah, this tastes like this tastes like something I didn't want to drink at a frat party, or, or or like that thing at a frat party you drank that's now coming back up. 
<laughs> so not a not ideal there. But yeah, I, I oddly do recommend the, the, those two beverages in particular. It was a it was a very very interesting uh, ride with those, and uh, I'm I'm, I'm going to avoid buying them again just because they're too easy to drink. Um, I also did have, uh, and we usually stick to beer, but you mentioned rum. Um, I did have, uh, almost finished a bottle that I've had for like a couple of years of, uh, American Prairie Reserve from uh, high West. Nice. They're, uh, yeah, they're, uh, rye whiskey. It's uh, super good. I've been definitely drinking more whiskey, just more like whiskey on the rocks, um, this year than I have before. Um, I don't think it's because of 2020. I think I just like developed a taste for some other whiskeys besides like bourbons. Um, but it also might be good because of 2020. <laughs> it could be that, but yeah, I mean, if you get some, if you have some good whiskey around realistically, like you're going to drink. I, I have, uh, my friends it. got me a really nice bottle of rye for, uh, for my birthday, uh, in September that I've been like very slowly going through and it's, it's delicious. So, um, yeah, that's definitely cut into my beer drinking a little bit. Um, so obviously I still drink plenty of beer as well. Fair. You should try the, uh, I don't know if you've ever read about these, the, uh, infinity bottles. So basically, I've heard, I think, I think Old Farb's, them, yeah, I think Old Farb's written about them. So that's probably where I've read it. Yeah. So basically what you do is like the, the last like shot in your, in like any uh, bottle, you put it in like a decanter and then you do that with every bottle you have. So then you end up with this like evolving beverage over time of mm. like a whiskey of all these different samples and obviously make sure that they're all like a whiskey or a bourbon. Um, but basically like so over time you're amassing this like you know evolving beverage that's and super interesting i have to look into that yeah there's, there's definitely like there's like reddit forums and everything about it um anyway very interesting <laughs> i guess we'll get back to syracuse topics the, this podcast is just going to a slowly as we move through the year and like more basketball games get canceled we're just going to slowly evolve into like so what else have you been drinking <laughs> Like, well, like I tried bleach for the first time, and let me tell you, it has a bit of a bite at the end. It doesn't work on the trophy, though. Well, only one way to find out. Shoot up that syringe, uh, buddies. Uh, shout out to shout out to June or whenever that was. Jesus, yeah, it feels like June, like nineteen twenty. Yet, uh, anyway, um, yeah. So Syracuse is facing Louisville on Friday night uh, in a game that no one on earth. Um, besides the people that root for those two teams, and maybe not even them, um, want to watch. Uh, it's on ESPN. You can catch it at 7 p.m. Eastern time um, on Friday night. We'll be doing our usual um, previews and coverage uh, for that one. Uh, we got some breaking news this uh, Monday, today, uh, for you know those listening on Tuesday probably, uh, that Javian Hawkins, their uh, star running back, uh, will not be uh, playing anymore. He's decided that why would I sit through this losing season and potentially get injured when I can prepare for the NFL draft? So that's one problem out of the way for Syracuse. Um, unfortunately, still a lot left uh, just for those who don't have his numbers in front of them like I do. Um, Javian Hawkins, 133 attempts, 822 yards, that's 6.18 average, seven touchdowns um, on the season. Uh, that leads to San Hall, who had a really good season last year, um, and Malik Cunningham, the quarterback, um, as their two leading rushers remaining, I would assume Hall gets the, the lion's share of the carries if he's uh, healthy. I don't know if he is. I see he's only played five games this year. But um, some other players that I would assume sit sit it out soon, uh, Tutu Atwell, uh, Des Fitzpatrick, uh, two upperclassmen who could very easily get drafted um, this coming year. I could see either of them deciding that, if, if not this week, then soon, um, that it's not the week. 
uh, Dan, I still think that despite the defensive issues for Louisville and, uh, and, and some of these uh, departures, well, at least the one departure that we know about, um, I still think that Louisville is probably the slightly better team, though I am interested now to see if the running attack can adjust to what I think has become like a better Syracuse defense over time. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested. I, I just saw on ESPN this line's 18. Um, I don't know that that's, Syracuse is going to win this game. Go bet Syracuse if you can get 18. Because like Louisville is not that good. They're two and six. <laughs> um, and also they they just get gashed uh, on in the running game. Um, and it's it's probably only going to get worse for them over the course of the season as they lose more players. Um, so yeah, if we can actually get like a pretty decent uh, rushing attack, uh, assuming we have our our kind of complement of guys that we've had for most of the year. Um, we should at least have, be able to have like some serious success on the ground. They give up, um, I think it's almost 200 yards a game. Uh, they're 94th in the country uh, in just raw yardage per game allowed on the on the ground. It's uh, almost five yards a carry. Um, it's it's not good. Uh, their passing attack, uh, their passing defense actually isn't as bad, but I think it's a lot. A lot of it's just that teams don't need to do it um, because they've been so susceptible against the run. Um, offensively, they do still stare me, uh, even without Hawkins, who is a really dynamic player. Um, I think Cunningham is is still better than like what he's shown this year. Uh, I think he's had some just t- difficult circumstances considering how uh, depleted the Syracuse team or the Louisville team has been this year. Um, but he's still a uh, pretty dynamic quarterback, I believe. Um, so yeah, I think Louisville definitely has the the big edge here. Um, but uh, losing Hawkins is is tough. Hassan Hall's a, a nice player. Um, I believe he was a former SU commit, just so uh, I'm sure he'll he'll probably have a nice game because that's what tends to happen here. Um, but losing your, you know, probably was probably going to have a thousand yards in the year. Uh, he had seven touchdowns, six point two yards of carry for Hawkins. Like that's tough. Um, Cunningham also brings a running dimension, uh, which has been outside of the Georgia Tech game, like kind of an issue for us when that's the case for um, like a decade and a half somehow. Yeah, through a lot of defenses <laughs> and a lot of different uh, schemes. Um, always seems to be an issue. Um, so yeah, he's, he's the focal point. Um, like you said, it, it depends if, if Atwell and Fitzpatrick are out there, they're really good, uh, receiving duo. Like th- that's why this Louisville season's kind of just like, obviously that a lot of hype coming in, but if you look like most of the guys that brought that presented that hype are still there and have having like good years. It's just the defense really, uh, fell off a cliff and they've just struggled to like finish games out. Um, but you know, we can't, we can't just like sleep on them. Um, so it, it's, uh, they've also just like been the victims of like really tough, close game lock. Like they had a three point loss to Pitt, They had a five point loss to Notre Dame. They had a, a seven point loss to Vatek. Like, um, obviously we don't, people don't like to admit this, but in football, like when you have those one store games, they end up being coin tosses a lot of the time. Um, and they've, they've gotten, they've been on the wrong end of, of all of those basically. They've blown out Florida. They blew out Florida State and Western Kentucky, and everything else is a loss. So, yeah, I don't think they're as bad as their stat, their 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 record shows, but uh, still, you know, not not a not a great team, but but not a not a bad team by any means in terms of like talent level. And we'll definitely have the talent edge here. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I haven't really watched a lot of Louisville this year, but I've, I'm obviously paying attention to the box scores, you know, as a fan of an ACC team, and I constantly see them, like, losing. And, yeah, it doesn't make any sense when you look at who's on this offense. But defensively, I mean, there's playmakers to some extent, but the, the secondary is not really not good um, at, at all. Um, there's only three picks. Um, that's probably not great for them. It's, Probably a good thing for us, given that Jacoby Morgan's a pretty young quarterback. Um, 
Tackles for loss. Uh, they actually get a lot of playmaking out of their linebacker spot that should concern us uh, from a run game standpoint. Uh, I'm assuming that Sean Tucker is fully healthy. I don't know if he was um, last time out against BC, but he's definitely fully healthy. Um, one would assume this time around, we should potentially get a couple more players back healthy um, after the bye. But yeah, the top five players in terms of tackle for loss on Louisville are all linebackers. Um, a lot of vets here, uh, Dorian Etheridge, Monty Montgomery, uh, Yasir Abdullah, uh, OJ Burns and CJ Avery um, all have five or more uh, tackles for loss this season. So not an ideal situation for us there. Uh, Montgomery also leads the team in sacks with four. Uh, the top four um, players in terms of sacks on Louisville um, are all linebackers as well. So realistically, like this is not a team that's going to disrupt a lot on the line um, or in the secondary. Uh, it's going to be one and lost um, for SU uh, based on what they can limit that linebacker uh, group to do, because really this could be um, the best SU offensive output since uh, since the Georgia Tech game, uh, if things break right on, against this uh, this struggling uh, Cardinals D. Yeah, I, I think again it goes back to the Syracuse run game. I think if you have a Sean Tucker game like we saw earlier in his stint as the like de facto running back one, um, there SU will have a decent chance if he can set the tone. If he has let's say 120, 130 yards in the round, if he's getting six or seven yards of carry in the SU offensive line, which is, I'd say, like, quietly improved during the year. Um, probably not the by the, the amount that it has needed to to really, like, kick this offense into motion, but also we've had quarterback injuries and everything else. Um, yeah, I think you're, you're going to need to uh, – that, that'll be the key. If he, if he has, like, one of his best games of the year, um, Syracuse is a decent shot. If not, it's going to be an uphill battle to win a shootout uh, through the air. Um, not that I haven't liked what we've seen from Jacoby and Morgan. Like he's again, we, you know, we're not trying to oversell him by any means, but he is completing 70% of his passes. He's, uh, you know, looks like a, at least as good, if not, I mean, I think he's pretty been pretty def- uh, definitively better than Culpepper who was completing fewer than 50% of his passes. Um, but if, if he has another like solid game manager type game, but we can really get things going for Tucker up and lots and whoever else uh, up front. Um, yeah, we'll have a shot. I, I just don't think you can get into like, uh, a gunslinger game here with Louisville because they definitely have the edge if you're going to put this one on Cunningham and and those receivers um, now that that Hawkins is out. Yeah, I think that's a good point there too. I think Morgan, forcing Morgan into a situation where he's supposed to put up big numbers here uh, to win a game, I think will go poorly for SU despite the fact that, um, that Louisville is not really a, a team that causes a lot of turnovers. I, I think that the run game and a defense that manages to lock things down situationally, uh, Louisville is actually very good in the situations that SU's uh, defense excels in, um, particularly the red zone. So I think that that could pose some problems uh, for one or the other, obviously not both. Um, I, I'll give a prediction here uh, before we go. I think Louisville wins this one. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 36-27 just because I, I think that SU's offense is going to have the horses to to hang with those playmakers um, on the Louisville side. But I, I think it'll be nice at least for, for, for us to see an offense that can do some things and maybe we see some more um, aspects of Morgan's game now that he's had a couple weeks to to further learn the playbook and, uh, and provide some variance. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I think just like, you know, hopefully we see – these last couple of weeks, like I just want to see like an expansion of what Morgan can do in terms of uh, just you know seeing a little bit more out of the playbook. Obviously, it's been pretty safe here here uh, from here for the first couple of games that he's been in. Um, but the Louisville defense is such that like obviously I think the running game, as I said, is going to be the focal point. But 
Um, their defense is just, it's probably the worst we're going to see the rest of the season. I think it's pretty safe to say with Notre Dame and, and NC state, uh, left. Um, so yeah, just like keep on giving them a little bit more, just, just try to ease them into like what a more full version of the offense is going to be, especially if he, um, factors into things next year, which is, is that yet to be seen, but I think he'll at least like earn the shot to win the job next year. Um, and yeah, just, just like put him in positions to, 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 to look, you know, good. I, I think we have enough playmakers to, to make his, to make his life like not easy, but, but give him an opportunity to succeed. And, and hopefully the, the coaches are, are working him into that. And like, we have meaningful progression here the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. And I think now that we're, now that we have Morgan in there, I think everyone at least feels a little bit better about progress and working towards the future. Um, even if Morgan's not the starter beyond this season, um, I, I think just knowing what we have in our hands is obviously a better situation as we've discussed uh, ad nauseum. Yeah, for sure. It's it's uh, it's frustrating to try to like harp on that every week because like you're trying to to give people like realistic expectations, but like it is kind of the most you can hope for is to to see good progression out of the young guys. So um, I know that's not like super easy for everyone to to swallow and like feel good about, but it, it just kind of is the situation. Uh, and then everyone can can turn to basketball soon enough. So just Hopefully. a couple more weeks, everyone. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Uh, Dan, anything else before we head out today? No, that's pretty much it. Um, Hope everyone's staying safe. Uh, I think, you know, we are are all well aware of the situation out there. So more more so than ever, like, let's get through these winter months and be as safe and as um, just like keep keep be mindful of like everyone else around you and, and what, you know, the stakes are. So even if like you don't think you're at serious risk for something like you can't you can't know that you're not coming across someone who is. So, yeah, just do the right things, please, everyone. Let's uh, let's work through this and then have it so that, like, maybe we can get to a place where basketball doesn't seem like such a question and we can feel good about it. Yeah. All right. Stay safe. Wear a mask, everybody. Uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Troy News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and go orange. Go orange.